just uh, <coughs> to mention, uh, some of you may uh, be regular members of the church here, and uh, also because of that involved, and anyone who isn't is welcome to be involved in this, uh, the prayer for our mission partners, people who are doing, serving God in other places, we pray for different ways, and just to mention, it's on the inside of the notice sheet, last, week, last time uh, people missed it, but um, we're having a, an extended time this uh, Wednesday afternoon to pray in some depth for uh, our mission partners, so uh, look at the notice sheet and that explains it uh, there. Now, uh, we're spending just three Sundays uh, looking into one of uh, our core values as a church family, things that really matter to us. We're, we're doing this through, throughout the year, uh, spending about you know, three Sundays on a particular core value. There are a number of them. Um, those of you who've done the membership kind of uh, uh, morning, afternoon, lunch, whatever it is, will be familiar with them. But it's good that we remember that there are certain things that matter a great deal to our life together and why they do. And uh, we're spending three Sundays, as I say, every now and then, about every four months, through uh, uh, looking in, in a kind of mini-series. And this time, the value that we're thinking about for the next three Sundays is uh, that we want to be a church that cares for one another. Caring for one another is a, a key value. That's what we want to be. Not saying that we always make, uh, uh, kind of reach the height of our aspirations, but that's uh, what we want to, to be working towards, certainly. And you know, the key to this kind of caring for one another is love, isn't it? Because it's out of our love for God, and as we shall see, love from God, that we're able to love one another. You know, Jesus reminded us, as we, we saw a few weeks ago in Luke's Gospel, that the greatest commandment is to love God with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. You know, that, that's a really key thing, that we love God and that we love our neighbor, and that we love our brothers and sisters in a, in a church community, as well as those outside of the church community, those who are perhaps on the, on the periphery or, or further out. We want to be a community who love, where love is worked out in practical care for one another. That's, uh, you know, and everybody knows that uh, Christians and love are kind of meant to go together, aren't they? You know, people say, oh yeah, Jesus is all on about love. And if you ask anyone on the street about, you know, what are Christians all about, they say, oh, it's all about God is love. And, you know, I remember when I was a bit younger in school, it's what school assemblies are all about often when the days used to have religious ones. You know, people going about love, you know, yada, 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 Christians meant to love, love this, you know, do you know what I mean? And it was all a bit kind of, I don't know, really, it didn't really grab me very much as I grew up at that time. And, and, you know, people have kind of made jokes about it. And I, I believe this is a true story, I don't know. But it's a, a story I once heard of a, a really tough guy, you know, who, who became a believer, became a follower of Jesus. Like, that's not him, but it's an image I thought might symbolize him. And, you know, uh, someone, you know, came up to him one day and saw that he was up and saw that he had heard he'd become a believer and had said to him, look, so you're, you're a believer then, are you? You're, you're a Jesus person. So you're supposed to love me, are you? He said, yeah, yeah, that's right, because I'm following Jesus, and that's what he told us to do. Okay, so uh, if I hurt you then, you, uh, you're, you're going to bless me, is that right? Yeah, he said, yeah, as a follower of Jesus, that, uh, that's what it's all about. So he says, so if I hit you, you know, you're going to turn the other cheek and let me hit you again, are you? 
Well, yeah, he said, that's, that's the deal. That's what Jesus said. That's what I'd like to live up to. So if I hit you now then, you won't be beating me up. And the guy said, um, no, he said, I'm a Christian. Then he paused. He said, you better hope I don't backslide. (laughs) Love then. Where does this love, this love that actually can be quite difficult, and sometimes maybe, like the tough guy, we may be tempted to backslide in certain situations. Where does it come from? It's tough to love the Jesus way. It's not wishy-washy at all, actually. In fact, at times, I think it almost seems impossible. You know, how do you keep caring for people who maybe treat you with contempt? Or, as Jesus said, for your enemies, how do you pray for them? It costs me a lot. It costs you a lot. It costs each of us a lot to care for other people, to take the trouble and if we're really honest, in our kind of default mode, we, we don't want to do it much, do we, really? might prefer to just carry on having a coffee or watching TV or getting on with our lives. So why should we? How can we? How can we do that? What's it all based on? Where is it coming from? Today, I want us to think about the, the foundations. Where does this, this love come from? How do we get there? And then in the next week, and then the week after that, we'll we'll begin to build on those foundations and see how it might work out practically. What we see in the Bible about how the the communities of Jesus' followers, how they lived out this this love for one another in their communities. And we'll, we'll be looking into some practicalities as we go on. Now, I want us to start in John 13, which is on page 1081, 1081. If you've been around at Easter, you may be familiar with this. It's part of the Easter account, John 13. Uh, We're actually in the upper room on the night Jesus was betrayed. It's the time of the Last Supper. He's there with his disciples. And we read in verse 1 and 2. I'll read it. You can follow it. It was just before the Passover feast Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Jesus is going to show them as disciples just how much he loves them. That's what this whole section is about. And you will remember it from the Easter story probably, but if not, let me remind you. How does he show them how much he loves them in that context? Well, it's in verse 4 and 5, isn't it? See, nobody had bothered to wash their feet when they got, in, got into the room. Now, should, somebody should have been there to do that, but I don't know, maybe you couldn't get the staff or someone was late or whatever. But anyway, the, the feet hadn't been washed. And so it says, Jesus, knowing in verse 3 who he was, that he was from God and was returning, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped round him. He serves them by washing their feet. He kind of does this amazing kind of picture of how much he's willing to, how, in a sense, low he's willing to go for them. And it's a kind of picture, isn't it, of what's going to happen later when he goes and dies on a cross for them. 
And then if you read down to verse 12a, or look down to verse 12, beginning of verse 12, he says that when he finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on and then he gives them a little talk about it. He says, do you understand what I've done for them? For you, rather? He, and then he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. So he plants this idea, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And look at verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Hmm. So as we look into this love, this kind of foundation of our care for one another that we aspire to, that we want to live out in our fellowship, in our lives. Then let's remember this, as we want to live that way, Jesus quite clearly says that blessing will come to us. What's blessing? Well, God's touch on our lives. His power, that sense of knowing that security in relationship with him, that, that thing that comes out of relationship with God, that sense of blessing in our lives will come how? As we do what Jesus says. It's not just good enough to know about it. We've got to do it. Let's remember that as we get going. So back in the upper room then, the mill goes on, and if you read it through, don't do it now, but you you discover that um, Jesus tells them that one of them is going to betray him. And John, the disciple who wrote John's gospel, finds out that it's Judas. And then in verse 31 to 33, over the page, Judas leaves. And when he's gone, Jesus says something to his disciples. When he, that's Judas, was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. He's getting them ready for his leaving, and he gives them a new commandment. The first thing he wants to get them to get into their heads as he prepares them for the fact that he's leaving them It's all going to be different for them from this night onwards. The first thing he says, I want you to get this first, guys. I'm giving you a new commandment. That you love one another, he says, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. How is this new? What kind of a commandment is it? It's not. Is it a new commandment? The old commandment was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and strength. Uh, and your neighbour is yourself. So how, how is this new? It's, it, you kind of think, well, just a minute, you say it's a new commandment, but isn't it the same as the old one in that event? Well, I think the answer to that, there's a clue to it here, is that those are quite um, strange verses in verse 31 to 32, where Jesus talks about the, what's going to happen on this night. He's talking about the Son of Man being glorified and God being glorified. He's talking about what's going to happen as he goes out to the cross, as he goes out to die. He's told them before of this new covenant. He's given them the cup. We, we have the bread and the wine when we drink the cup. It's a, the symbol of the new covenant in his blood to Jesus. And so he's saying, look, this is what's new. 
What's new about it is that it's as I have loved you. That's what's new. Jesus is saying, I've loved you in a new way. Something new is happening from tonight. And as a result of that, your love has got to kind of flow out of my love for you as I have loved you. So there's a reason why we're to love. There's a reason why we can care for each other. There's a source for it. We find it in Jesus, in what Jesus has done for us in loving us. Let's think a little bit more about that. Let's think about where this love comes from then. Jesus says, it comes from my love for you. You love one another as I have loved you. Now John, who wrote this gospel, also uh, wrote a letter to some churches, and he picks up on the same thing. I'm going to put it on the screen, but you can read it. If you want to, put, if you want to follow it, to check that it really is in the Bible, it's on page 1227. But here, here are the words. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We love because he first loved us. Where does it start? Where does it come from? It comes from God. It starts with God, doesn't it? He's the one who's done something amazing. What's he done? He's sent his one and only son into the world. He's, it's an event. And that's what Jesus is meaning when he talks to the disciples about now the son of man is glorified and so on. He's talking about this massive event, this kind of great project that, 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 that there was, that, that God is passionately committed to doing this as his son comes to die. It's an amazing thing when you stop and think about it. God is passionately committed to it. He's deeply involved in it. You can't get more involved in it than he is in Jesus coming and dying on a cross for us. Coming into our world, not just, just being with us, living uh, in an oppressed place, in a, in a tough time. Caring for people in the way that he did. God sent his one and only son into the world. That's amazing if you stop and think about it. The father sends his son. So it says, we didn't love God. He loved us. It starts with him. He sent his son into the world. Again, think about it. It's love on a majestic scale, isn't it? If it's true, think about what God has done for us. Come himself into our world. Lived with us revealed himself to us, suffered for us, and so on. It's, all, it's an amazing thing. But, but not just that he came, that we might live through him. How can we live through him? Because he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. He came and died on a cross for us. He came and took the, the results of our rebellion against God, our are being separated from God. Everything that, that ruins the world, that ruins our lives, everything that keeps us all from, from what God wants us to be, everything that will ultimately end in our judgment if we don't get something sorted out about it, all of that God 
took in Christ into himself so that we could live. Because we're dead without Jesus. Apart from God, spiritually, we've got nothing. We've got lots of great things on the way, but ultimately without God and God's life and love, we've got nothing really. But Jesus dies so that we might live, as it says, we might live through him. So this love that we show to other people, this care that we want to show, it's not some duty, it's not some way of being good, you know, like, oh, I've got to be a good Christian and love other people, or I've got to be a nice person, or I'm in a church that believes in caring for one another, so we better, oh, we better, you know, better give someone a cup of coffee, or I better welcome them. You know, it's not that, is it? It comes out of this, this knowledge of God's great love for us. And our experience of being loved by God, we deserve nothing And he loved us. He sent his son. More than that, actually, the love of the father, the love of the father for the son, the love that exists within God, has been shared with us. You want to see some proof of that? John 15, verse 9. Jesus said, as the father has loved me, he says to his disciples, so have I loved you. That's incredible. It's amazing. Just think about it for a minute. It's what God has done. So he says, now you remain in that love. We'll think about that in a minute or two. So it's great news, isn't it? It should be. It doesn't look like it is, but I think it is. Because, you know, if we're believers, we've got nothing to prove, have we? We've got nothing to pay. Because of God's love for us, we can be totally secure. It's all been given to us. We've been loved in a way that can powerfully change us. And that love comes from the very kind of heart of God between the the members of the Holy Trinity. That's where it's come from. That can change us. It can give us a reason, or more than a reason, to love people. It gives us a different motivation than other than trying to, you know, be nice or be good or be what Christians expect me to be. So that's where this love comes from. Let's think about why we can love for us. The love comes from God's love for us. How do we actually kind of get sustained in it? It's because God's love is in us. A little bit later in John's Gospel, in the same conversation Jesus has with his disciples on page 1082, we read these words. Again, it's on the screen, but you can check it if you want. It's uh, uh, in the Bible. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says a little bit later in this conversation, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Let's think about that. What's Jesus talking about here? He's talking about a particular day. He's he's told the disciples that he's going to die, but he will live again. And he says, because I'm going to live again, he's talking about the resurrection, then you will know that life too. You will know my life. So he's talking about a day, a time after the resurrection, when the disciples are going to know Jesus in a new way. He's going to be in them, it says, 
and they are going to be in him. They're going to be connected to Jesus in a way that they couldn't be when he was with them. After the resurrection and the Holy Spirit came, he, he, he knew them, or they knew him in a completely new way. And that's where we are now. We're in that period. We're on that day. When we become followers of Jesus and welcome his love and his presence into our lives, that's what happens to us. He comes and lives in us. We are so connected to him. That's, the, 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 that's what the, the Paul meant in the New Testament when he talks about believers as being in Christ all the time. That's his favorite phrase for believers. But look at what it says about this love. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. What's that about then? Look at that for a minute. What an incredible promise. We love him, we'll be loved by God, I'll love them, show myself to them, my father will love them, we will come and make our home with them. With us, in us, you are in me and I am in you. God inside of us. Look at what the New Testament says, this is Romans 5. Talking about believers, God has poured into, sorry, God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So this isn't just about being loved by God or about love from God, as it were. This is about God's love actually in us. That God's love is known by us in our experience. Poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's what believers are, people who know God's love in their experience. And look what happens. This is in John 15 again. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Uh, we read that earlier. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Look at that to the, at the bottom of it. I have told you this so that your, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The Holy Spirit, God's love in us, Jesus' joy in us, not just knowing about God's love, but knowing God's love, knowing God's presence in our lives. That's where it comes from. That's a place out of which we can love other people, even if and when we really don't feel much like it. It's a different reason. You see, the, the, the motivation, we're not trying to be nice or good, we just got God's love overflowing from us. Being loved by God, knowing that he's loved us, is knowing that in our experience. We're not trying to be good Christians. We're not trying to impress God and everyone else by loving and caring for people. We're to be full of God's love so that it just spills out from our experience. That's what Jesus is expecting for his disciples. That's what he promised for his disciples. We shall see in John 17, that's what he praised the Father to for his disciples. That was what he expected normal following of Jesus to be like. Here's the question, do I experience that love and do you? Or are we simply trying to be nice people, good Christians, caring for one another because we're trying to impress God, impress one another and generally impress the world? Because we should be loving out of this love that we know in our hearts, in our experiences. Now, you can think about in your house groups, is that our experience? If it isn't, why not? 
What gets in the way? What happens? What goes wrong? How does it work out then? We've seen where it comes from. We've seen that it comes from God. We've seen why we can keep going in it because we have God's love in our lives. Thirdly, how it works out in our love for one another. Well, it's pretty clear, isn't it? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. We've already seen John 15, but there it is at the bottom. Well, there we go. That's fairly straightforward, isn't it? I've loved you. My command is, love each other. So let's be blessed by doing it. Jesus said, you're blessed if you do it. Do it. Love each other. So, as we're kind of coming to the end... All this should be in our DNA as believers, our spiritual DNA. We're loved by God. We know the love of God in our lives. We love each other out of that. It's what we are as believers. A believer, someone who, who's kind of heard the good news, understood it, responded to it, welcomed God's love into our lives. It's kind of in our nature now. Okay, there's other stuff that you know, we bring and we have struggles and we need to, kind of as Paul says, sow to that new nature. Plant seeds that will, will grow this new stuff in our lives and, and, and turn away from the old way of going. But it's part of our new DNA, the love of God. And loving one another comes out of what we are as believers. If you like, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are, if you like, loved by God people. <laughs> That's what we are. We've been loved by God. And we're people who are being loved by God because we're, we're living kind of in, in an awareness that he loves us. We're secure in that. He's done everything that we need. That we, need. we don't do it, have to do anything other than accept his free gift and, and live in his life, in his fullness, and follow him. It's in our DNA See, some, some of us think that you know, caring for people, caring for one another, is like an optional extra on the car. You know, if you buy a car, I never buy a new car. Some of us buy second-hand ones. But, you know, they've got optional extras. I, I quite like the parking feature. That looks good. Anyone anyway, got one of those? You can set it. It parks itself. Do you see? It's a full focus. You just put it. Somehow it parks itself, parallel parking. Well, that's what you call an optional extra, isn't it? It costs you a lot of money. Sure, it's very handy if you can't parallel park which actually I think secretly none of us really can. I think men pretend we can and women, you know, we think women can't. But that's wrong, of course. Forgive me, I shouldn't have said that. So, some people think of this love or expressing this love as a kind of optional extra, don't they? You know, if you've got, if you've got that fitted as an extra, then that's okay. You know, if you're wired in a certain if you're a really loving person, you know, that's for you. Or, or if you're, you know, being specially gifted for it from God, or even tasked, if you've been given the task. So, you know, I'm the pastor, so I've got to look after everybody. And you can think, that's great, that's his job, that's what we pay him for, all that kind of stuff. It's an optional extra. No, no, you know, this, if this is true, then love isn't an optional extra. It is the engine. It's where everything comes from. Without it, there's no car. And basically, what Jesus, I think, is saying is that if this love is absent from our lives in terms of loving other people, then there's something seriously wrong. Actually, elsewhere in the New Testament, in one, actually in 1 John, it says that 
if you can't love your brothers and your sisters, then you're not a Christian. don't know what you are. You may be a very nice person. You may love coming to Portswood Church. You may be you know, all, all fine and dandy and everything. But if you, if you simply don't have the love of God in your life in a way that spills into others, whatever you call yourself, you're not a true Christian. That's what the Bible says. I mean, it's the inference here of what Jesus is saying, isn't it? We love one another because we've been loved by God. That is our response to it. And what happens when we love? What happens? Well, we've heard that we're blessed when we do it. We've heard that there is joy for us. Jesus said, do this, your joy will be full. Actually, there's mission as well. There's witness. Because in, he, he says in John 13, doesn't it? All people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And in John 17, he actually prays that, that, the, the, that, that the believers that, that will come in the future, you can look it up at the end of John 17, will know God's love dwelling in them, will know God in them, and they'll know a unity together that the world may know that you have sent me and that my love is in them, Jesus prays. That was Jesus' prayer. It's what he anticipated. It's what he expected. I don't think it was a vague hope. I think it was something he knew was possible and would happen. So we're free to love others because we know we're loved by God. We experience God's love in our lives, his presence with us. He's made his home in our everyday experience. So what do we do? We love each other as I have loved you. We do as Jesus does. What does Jesus do? This is Philippians 2. Paul here is talking about the way Jesus has loved us. And he says you need to love one another in that way. So Paul says, don't feed your ego. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. When you're with other believers, when you're living your life, forget your ego, forget your interests. Look to other people, he says. Value others. We won't be able to care for one another if we don't value each other. Every member of this diverse community, we need to value every other member of it. And if you feel you're someone who needs more care rather than able to give it, well, forget that. Care for one, another person as well. We all need to be caring for one another because we are not looking to our own interests, but each of you, notice, each of you, not just as I say, those who are like the you know, pastors and the elders and the pastoral team, each of you look to the interests of others. How am I going to do that when I have a cup of coffee in a moment? How am I going to uh, value others? And it, it says, have the same mindset have that attitude which is like Jesus. What is it? Jesus was God, but he didn't hold on to it. He, he didn't use it for himself. He says, it says he took the nature of a servant. He became a servant. He made himself nothing. And we do that. We do as he does. We'll know his joy. So will other people. So serve someone in a practical, caring way. How do we do that? Well, we could welcome people. When new people come, or if someone's not talking to anyone, well, you know, go and say hello to them. Right away, after the service, we could be people who listen <laughs> to people. 
You know, the, the thing that we're most short of in our culture, I know lots, not all of us have a lot of money, but compared to other places in the world, we're pretty well off. And most of us, if we're in work, aren't doing too badly. And, you know, if we're in a family or a, or a couple or where both of us are working, yeah, we're doing all right. I know it's a struggle. But, you know, the one thing that nobody has anything of in this culture is time. Got loads of money, but no time. How about serving one another? How about caring for one another by just giving some time to another person? Lots of ways you can do that. Ask the Lord to show you. Pray for people. Give somebody something. You know, if they're a bit down, they look like they could need a cup of coffee, buy them one. If you know they're going through a hard time and it's difficult to get food on the table, well, you know, make, a, make something for them or buy something from somewhere and, you know, give it to them. Say, look, I just thought I'd like to bless you with this shepherd's pie or cake or whatever it is. Love them. Be quick to put things right. You know, in our relationships, it says in that translation, with one another, have the same mindset. Just put things right, will you? You know, if I've done something to upset you, well, tell me and we can put it right. And I must do the same for you. And with one another, forgive one another. Be open with one another. Don't hold grudges. There's ways we serve and care for one another. Do encourage one another. <laughs> Follow the prompting of others. I think we'll have later in this series the, the, the verse that says, encourage one another to love and good works. Follow the promptings of others. You can be really blessed by that. I'll tell you a story. Um, Louise and Angela and David, together myself, <coughs> were uh, on a kind of conference uh, recently and... Um, I had a bit of an altercation with uh, a rather grumpy old archivist. I, I won't tell you all the details, but yeah, I, we knew he was a, a grumpy archivist, I'm sure, and not naturally grumpy. Um, but he actually had a sign on his door that said, don't make me use my grumpy archivist's voice. So, you know, that was the kind of guy he was. And, and basically, we were sitting outside of his door having a, a small group in this conference at Louise and Angela and David and myself. And he came out and told us off and asked us to move. Uh, we'd already moved several times. And anyway, I gave him, well, in, in a kind of nice way. I, I was quite rude to him, but it really. I, I told him, well, I, I, you know, I just made it fairly clear that, um, you know, if the people had paid for the conference, you know, we were told we could go here, you know, it seemed a bit unfortunate. Anyway, so afterwards, Angela and Lou said, you're a bit, you're a bit, you should, you know, do, anyway, they, they were admonishing me to put it right with him, basically, which I didn't really want to do, but they said things like, clear, I, clearing your own path, it was something to do with snow, I didn't quite understand that, but I got the meaning of it anyway, so I swallowed my pride, and I went to the grumpy old archive, I actually, I actually had to find him in the library, because he wasn't in his office, and uh, I said, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, sorry about that, and uh, anyway, he, he said, I accept your apology, which made me feel, you know, what I, you know, I didn't, oh, anyway, whatever, I, <laughs> I said, that's all right. So we shook hands and we were good brothers and so on and so forth. Now, I didn't want to do that. I wasn't going to do that. They admonished me to do it. I did it. And you know, I felt joy. I felt, I, you know. And, and maybe you're like me. Sometimes if people tell me to do things, I don't want to do them. You know, I actually dig in and do what. So I didn't immediately. It took me a little bit of a time to, you know, accept what Lou and Angela were saying. See the point. Do it. 
As I started, I found that the Lord was with it in me. I find that a lot, actually. I don't know about you. Sometimes you just have to start. So caring for one another, it comes out of love. Love is the engine. We love because God's first loved us. Do you realize that? Have you responded to his love? It's all there. It's at the cross. It's all in what Jesus has done for you. You know, you cannot add to it. You cannot take away from it. It's a given. God has loved us like that and asked us to put down our rebellion and follow Christ in a new direction, in response to his love. And he promises his spirit in us as we turn to him, that we may know his love in our experience. So thank him. Turn back to him, if that's your position. Ask for his love to come back to you, if you're just not sure where it's gone, so that you can love out of freedom and security. Is the engine started? Is it running? Is it broken down? Does it need tuning up? I pray that we may know as a community in a fresh way that we are completely loved by God, that we're totally forgiven, that we can know his presence in our lives, all of us, at home in us, that we may know the Holy Spirit enabling us to love like he loved, to put away the stuff that just gets in between, to serve one another. Come to that point or come back to it, but respond. Ask him that you may know that love, that we may know that love in our lives day by day. Lord, we pray that we may know that. Lord, we pray for that fullness of your spirit where we know that we're loved by you. And that out of that love that you've given us, that we may love one another deeply, as your word says, from the heart. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen.